0: What's up, guys? This is Two on Five. I'm Drake. I'm Brett. We're coming to you with a special episode today based on the release of the new Disney Plus app. Uh, Brett and I are both very excited. Everybody is very excited about the Disney Plus app. So much to offer. Uh, Up to seven profiles on your account. You can watch four screens at once, which is probably the most expansive... Uh, streaming app that'll to give you that many screens at once Uh, the whole family can enjoy it. Ton of stuff on here. So we're really looking forward to telling you guys our top five things that we are most excited about to explore with this app.
1: Right. And it's interesting because I don't usually want to come off like a shill for something that's just, you know, launched and is basically, you know, the disney's version of give you know give us your money bitch but i mean this has there's so much content to it and so what we've kind of done for tonight's list lists if you will um just the top five things that you can find to stream on there that are available right now so Anyway, uh, my number five is actually... It's a really old bit of documentary. Um, It's called Disneyland Around the Seasons. It's uh, from 1967. Uh, Basically, it's Walt Disney doing what he did on The Wonderful World of Disney for, you know, like a decade or whatever. And the actual show's fine. It's not... I wouldn't say it's exciting, but what's cool about it to me is the possibility that we could be getting a lot of that, a lot of these old documentaries and like they've already put on some of the old uh, nature films and stuff. But if they could actually be putting like all the really cool, like the, the being able to see Disneyland, like via in this, like from the sixties, that's rad to me. Like, it's just, it's something you don't see.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's a great opportunity for people to see the growth of the park um, and how, the, how that has evolved over the decades. Um, obviously, I have a picture in my mind of what Disneyland is supposed to look like based off all of the iterations that I've seen since I've been alive. My parents have a different view of it because of what they saw Uh, when they were kids. And so it's a great opportunity to bridge everybody's uh, mental picture and also see just how the
1: park has grown and evolved over the years. Right. And like, I also, I guess basically one of the big things I'm hoping for that the service can become beyond just having, you know, all the Disney movies or all the Marvel movies or whatever is I like the idea of it kind of being this cultural curation. You know, like this is, yeah, this is what it was. And I mean, it's not the same anymore, but you, you have an opportunity to be able to look back and see what, then see that.
0: Yeah, that's dead on. For me, um, that's all great, but I want mid nineties preteen comedies all day long. Uh, number one for me is, In that category, number five on my list is the 1995 film Heavyweights. (laughs) You guys probably already know this about me because if you're listening to this, you know us. Uh, I'm a big guy. Always been a big guy. And so this film hit home for me uh, the instant that I saw it. Just a, a great film about some kids that get sent to fat camp and the idea that they're going to have a great time at Fat Camp until Ben Stiller buys the park. And essentially, this was his first foray into uh, militarized physical fitness before the film Dodgeball. You know, this was his first shot at it. And it's just such a great film, uh, super fun, You really get to see kids being kids and there's enough adult humor in there that, you know, it's, it's enjoyable for all ages. This was the first thing that my wife and I watched on the Disney plus app. That's great. She tried, she tried to go sandlot, another big hitter, but I'm like, Oh no, we're watching this. Then we're watching holes. (laughs) Uh, It's just, it's so much fun. It reminds me of how many live action films there were in the mid nineties directed towards preteens and children. I mean, you talk about the mighty ducks franchise, you talk about, um, heavyweights, you know, even holes, which was a little bit later, but a, a ton of content that was live action content, uh, which I think is very cool too. And that seems to be something that kind of gets forgotten about with Disney is, you know, you think of the animated movies, you think about the princesses and, and everything else, uh, the musical numbers, but they did a great job uh, producing some live action stuff, too.
1: Right. And I think for me, uh, like with heavyweights and stuff, like one thing it's it's in a genre of movies that I find that I love, which is funny because the actual it's camping movies or movies about camp. I love movies about camp, but don't ever take me camping like I have no desire to go. So and like, yeah, fuck that, you know, like, you, you know, it's like that or like uh freaking meatballs or whatever. Like, I, I I like, I like camp movies. Um, yeah. Friday the 13th. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a different kind of camping, but uh, right. Like I, I, I like heavyweights and that, and there, you're right. There was that little sweet spot of like mighty ducks and the big green and you know, all the, those Disney like, yeah. flubber, all those like live action things that, you know, they're not a lot of them aren't what you'd call classics. And they definitely haven't been pimped by Disney as classics, but I do think for a certain age, a.k.a. us, they meant a lot and they continue to mean a lot. And I think that they'll probably find a lot of new fans via parents showing their kids, hey, this rocks, you know. And the one thing that was always fun about those is like they had, you know, they were really pretty, you know, they're very clean. They're Disney. But they there was just a little bit of edge, you know, just a little bit of edge, like in the Mighty Ducks when they're like, oh, there's there's dog poop in the purse and they got him. Ha ha ha. Yeah, like. I feel like any type of edge has been completely sanded off at this point, and so those those mid 90s uh, live action comedies, they're fun to look back on for that reason.
0: Yeah, I can't imagine that film being made today.
1: Oh yeah. Well, I mean, heavyweights or like the mighty ducks where like the alcoholic coach comes back. Like that, that shit ain't happening anymore. You know, like,
0: right. So for me getting a little more serious, uh, number four is a little show called gargoyles. Uh, it was an animated series in the nineties that was centered around these mythical creatures from, about 900 AD Scotland that were gargoyles. They turned to stone during the day. And then in the evening they would, the stone would break away and they'd come to life and they would defend, uh, the castle that they were sworn to protect. And somehow that got transferred to them protecting New York city in present day, you know, 1995, uh, Cartoons were crazy. I, I don't know why they ended up in New York City.
1: Well, they they got moved there or something. Because wasn't that in the movie? Oh like, yeah, uh the movie that was like a board game. Am I am I crazy? Like it was a it was a game that you played with. Like you bought the you got the VCR tape and you stuck it in, and then there was a game. Oh yeah, like, yeah.
0: Like, I, and, and I. I I think this was another one of those that it was a series created to sell toys, um, similar to some of the stuff we grew up on with Thundercats, uh, you know, He-Man, whatever. But uh, it, it's super dark and super dramatic, um, which is just perfect for that mid-90s off uh, audience. You know, we were all looking for that. You know, we saw it even with the Batman animated series at the same time um, and some other stuff. Cartoons were super heavy for that preteen audience in the mid nineties. And this one is super fun. It's super creative. Um, and, and it's one of those that I'm looking forward to diving back into and seeing if my kids take to it too.
1: The only thing like and i obviously with la being so tiny i don't have to worry about it yet but the one thing i'm worried about is like man if she doesn't like 2d animation it's just gonna bum me out like because i know that some kids like that 3d stuff that's that's all they want so
0: one of my kids shit on thundercats one time and i was <laughs> heartbroken for a week i
1: I mean, the problem is I actually have like the first season, which is like 60 episodes. So that's hilarious on DVD. And he probably wasn't completely wrong to shit on. <laughs> Sometimes going back is rough, but
0: he wasn't. But
1: God damn it. Well, my number four is a uh, short. It's uh, it's called Corn Chips. It's from 1951. It's uh, Don, it's one of the Donald Duck and Chippendale, uh, Chippendale shorts. And it's, it's a pretty good It's a good example of the form. Um, in it, basically, Donald Duck tricks Chippendale into shoveling his walk after it snows. And they get mad and they look in his house and he's making popcorn. So they steal the popcorn. And Donald Duck escalates, of course, and decides to burn their tree down. And so they just dump the popcorn in and then his entire yard is covered in popcorn and he ends up having to scoop his walk of popcorn, which, you know, it's wild. But again, kind of going back with, with what I said with my number five pick, I'm really hoping what this means is they're going to load all those shorts onto Disney plus so far. There's only like a couple per character. There's not a lot, but some of those are just some of those shorts are classic, especially like a lot of the goofy ones were really good. And, uh, and and also the Donald or Chip and mm-hmm. Chip and ones, like those are the ones that stick out in my brain. But what I'm really hoping is like, just all those cartoons can just be dumped onto the platform so that they're somewhere. Because you know they put them out on DVD for a while, and then once Blu-ray came, I don't even think they bothered, and they just haven't. Like in a lot of ways, have been generally unavailable, and that's just like in a like in a way that just kind of makes me sad. You know, like they're, Mm -hmm. I think that they're really good and you know, they're, they're funny in a way that is pure. And like, I get that there's probably some of them that are like insensitive at this point, but you know, um, they've actually put some warnings in front of some of the stuff. I don't know if you've seen it in front of some of the like movies and everything where they're just like, this is how it was. Don't know what to tell you. And I, I just appreciate that. This, Disney as as a company has been going for forever, and like right. it's very right. cool to me that you know Star Wars is part of Disney now and it's on there, and all these other very recent brands are there. But like part of Disney is this stuff from like fifty years ago, and I feel like it'd be it'd be really sad just to kind of forget about it completely.
0: Yeah, I think that there is a sweet spot in regards to you know, making sure that they are culturally aware and sensitive to the world we live in today, but also, you know, making sure that this content is available for viewers. Um, You know, I know Dumbo was one of the ones that got the warning ahead of it, and I get it. Like, that was something that I've thought about ever since I've been an adult and seen Dumbo, like, oh, shit, Um, that's a problem. But, you know, they they seem to have owned it head on and, uh, you know, making that content available. And even with some of the older stuff, you know, the having Steamboat Willie on there is great. You know, I had to wait to find somebody that had Steamboat Willie on a on an old film reel to be able to watch it. Um, So to be able to sit down on my couch and, you know, pull it up from a remote is great. And no, we shouldn't lose that.
1: All right, all right, so to move on, kind of getting a little bit past my cultural curation, uh, number three for me is the Muppet Christmas Carol uh, from ninety two. Yes. It might, that might be my favorite uh, version of the Christmas of a Christmas Carol. Uh, I mean, there's there's a couple others I really like. I mean, Scrooge is great, and then I and then I actually really like the like the Mickey Mouse Christmas Carol too. But the Muppet one just kind of slays me, in uh, like the rat kills me and gonzo being the narrator is great and <laughs> i mean also uh just I, lo- I i really love the muppets i love the way that you know even after henson died i feel like they when they hit on a project it was always really good and i mean michael kane is doing michael kane things and like emoting with Kermit right. the frog and it's hysterical. So uh you know, it's great.
0: Yeah, I think it's a great example of how good that story is. The fact that you can tell the story with the muppets and it's silly and you know, super fun but also carries the story throughout. Like it's still a solid Rendition of a Christmas Carol, and you know, I think that's a testament of how great the Muppets are, and uh, the story itself. My number three is something a little bit new, but I'm super excited to check it out. I've already checked out the first episode, and it was magical. It's the World According to Jeff Goldblum, and so far, my understanding is that they're just going to turn Jeff Goldblum loose on a topic and let him wander around and be awkward and curious about it. And it's fucking beautiful. Uh, the first episode was sneakers. You know, they dropped him in the middle of the sneaker convention in Cleveland, Ohio, and just had him wander around the crowd and ask people questions about sneaker culture and, uh, everything associated with it. And then they took him out to the Adidas sports science facility to get his feet fitted for the right shoe and then took him to a shoe designer to, you know, design a shoe based on
1: his, uh, his personality. And can you imagine? Oh, like, I mean, like legitimately, like what the hell kind of like if they hadn't already made it, I would think the shoe that would be his shoe personality would be those shoes that look like feet. Yes. Like, like the toe shoes. Like that's, that strikes me as something like Jeff Goldblum would be like that. That is for me.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I love Jeff Goldblum. I I think he's a a magical creature. Uh, His reaction to the world is a lot of fun to watch. Um, And so I'm looking forward to see what other situations uh, that they put him in and allow him to learn with. Uh, And it's one of those that hits for every age. You know, my kids can watch it and stay engaged. Um, I can watch it and appreciate not only what they're studying, but just Jeff Goldblum being himself. Um,
1: so yeah, it's, it's very exciting. Right. And I, I, the one thing I think is cool about it is uh, making, you know, what's essentially a documentary, something that can be a little mm-hmm. bit more low key and he's, you know, relaxed and fun enough that, you know, you can really get kids adults or whoever more just into learning, which is always interesting to see how you can thread that needle.
0: Yeah. Because it's tricky. You see other uh, channels that used to be centered around learning and documentaries that grew into, uh, you know, fake reality TV shows. Right. Um, And that, you know, I've never been a reality TV guy. I, I would rather have, you know, let me learn about something, but to give me a host and a, and a guy to drive it through that I
1: can enjoy the entire time is, uh, an added bonus. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing that's, uh, interesting about that whole thing is that's actually under the national geographic banner, which yes. apparently Disney owns that too. So you know, they own everything and it's going to be great in, you know, three yeah. years when they start jacking the price on this thing up, up, up. Mm hmm. But um, anyway, uh, my number two is Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Uh, it's a movie from 71. Apparently, I just really like old, old Disney, which just definitely is my childhood. But uh, it stars Angela Lansbury. It's. In a lot of ways, it's very much like Mary Poppins, which makes sense. The director of Ben Ups and Brewsticks directed Mary Poppins. Yes. Um, and it came after, obviously, but he, they'd he, they'd had the rights to do Ben Ups and Brewsticks even before they did Mary Poppins. It just never came together. Uh, it's centered um, around. It's World War Two, and some kids get sent out to live with this lady during the Blitz uh, during the Blitz. it's It's in England and she is trying to become a witch but she hasn't gotten the last spell and they kind of go from there and it does some of the same stuff that Poppins does it um, they play with live action and animation in the same in the same frame and it does a really good job there the um i just i think it's a lot of fun apparently angela lansbury has just been old for 50 years <laughs> yes. like and it's wild because <laughs> Uh, every once in a while, like on Twitter or whatever, they'll um, old pictures of like people that you've only known as old will float around, and like you know, they'll show her from like the '30s or whatever, and she and she was you know this attractive woman, like it was great, but man, like right. she does not look young in bed, knobs and broomsticks, and that is literally like fifty years ago at this point. So, but yes. again, I'd still hit it. <laughs> Uh, Um, yeah. Well, on that note, um, yeah. Murder, she wrote. Oh God. And on that note, we'll just keep it moving.
0: The thing that I am second most excited about, um, is the ability to stream franchises, uh, all from one remote one app and all from my couch. There's plenty of franchises on Disney Plus that are great. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean, National Treasure. Um, There are a ton of cool stuff out there. But for me specifically, the Star Wars franchise, having this all under one roof for the first time ever, where I can sit down and start at episode one or episode four, however you please, and watch the entire collection, you know, from the beginning all the way to what is currently coming out. I think Rogue One is the most recent film on the app, but it's one of those that for years, we always had to do this with box sets. You know, whether that be the VHS box set of the original trilogy or, you know, the releases that came afterwards, you know, you'd had to basically put all the DVDs in one stack and roll through them. The ability to do this from a streaming service is great. I feel like I can finally introduce my kids to the franchise as I should uh, for the fact that we can pause it and walk away from it or yeah, and pick right back up where we left. And it's a lot easier than dealing with physical media. And so because there's so much content to devour around the Star Wars franchise, having it be able to pick up and play is
1: very exciting for me. So my question for you is, how are you? Like, what is your order? You're going to introduce your your guys to Star Wars when? Uh,
0: the original trilogy is where I start. Um, you know, I'm hoping that I can get them sucked in deep enough before we have to watch the Phantom Menace. Mm. Because I my fear is that you know young children are not going to stick with the Phantom Menace. You know, uh, I mean, I don't want to stick with it. Are you
1: crazy? Like. You don't think they're going to be into taxation of traders? Oh boy! Like I don't know. It's yeah. pretty great. Yeah. I, I asked just because uh, one. It's been interesting seeing like uh, film writers on the internet talk about how to introduce uh, Star Wars to kids in in a way that preserves the twist. You know, it preserves right. that the. The Darth Vader twist and there's a couple different you know there's the crazy people who just started episode one and roll through which is wild to me for a couple different reasons like i don't know how you maintain like you said maintain interest in it because there's a couple there's some cool sequences in episode one there are but they're very spaced out you know what i mean and there's a lot of right. wooden talking uh it's a long ass movie too the prequels are very long and then after that, you go to an even worse movie in Attack of the Clones. So it's just, it's it's an issue. And then, so I've seen people say, well, here's how I'm going to do it. And one way I thought was kind of cool was doing episode four, episode five, then rolling through the prequels, like as a, like as a flashback, and then bringing six in, sure. which destroys the Leia twist, but, you know, whatever. Um, I always felt like that was a little half-assed anyway, but I was just, anyway... I agree with you. It, it is fun to have all of Star Wars in one spot. Uh, and the other two are coming. It's just uh, they still have the Netflix deal, uh, which doesn't expire yet. So because right. what Solo and Last Jedi are still on Netflix. Mm-hmm. So It's hard
0: because with young children, Jedi would be the perfect jumping off point, you know, in regards to a young child enjoying the film, you know, with everything on Endor, Um, It's just a, it's a good action movie for, from the jump. And so it'd be a great spot to get kids introduced, but you give up so much of the plot uh, starting there. So we're going to start with episode four, A New Hope and, and go from there. But my number one thing that I am most excited about, and this for me is something I was excited about when Disney acquired Marvel uh the amount of content that is on there that is is from Marvel is very exciting to me. I'm a huge comic book nerd. But one show in particular that I am excited to sit down and start from beginning to end is the 1990s X-Men the animated series. This might be the most dramatic animated show ever. Um obviously the X-Men in itself is this own microcosm of the civil rights movement and any kind of social justice movement uh, that we've seen over the years. And the X-Men animated series does a really good job of tracking that from the beginning. You know, the, the jumping off point is the Sentinels storyline and uh, the mutant registration act. And so from the very beginning, you get this, this question of, you know, do mutants have the same rights as other human beings and it's packaged in a kid's show. You know, I was 10 years old watching this. Um, So it's super dark, super heavy, but like in a silly way, like you can't help but laugh when Wolverine tries to sound tough and, you know, they did a great job of making Cyclops sound like a douche, Um, but it's... It's very heavy for an animated show, but there's a lot of great content there. It introduced you to a lot of the characters from the comic series, Um, you know, Sabretooth, Omega Red, especially the stuff they did with Wolverine. Made it fun. And for a kid that may not have access to a pile of comic books to read through, you know, gives them an opportunity to to dive into that universe. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited to relive it myself and pass it on you know, to the rest
1: of my household. Well, yeah, uh, definitely with in regards to what you were saying about exposure and like not having comic books and stuff, uh, not that like I couldn't have comic books, but that just wasn't something I was super into when I was like a little kid. And I remember like the X-Men cartoon was really my first exposure to the X-Men in a lot of ways. And, um, I, 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 remember just absolutely loving that show. Just, you know, it was the coolest thing ever and Gambit throw <laughs> cards and it was great, you know, like, um, and it, it was, it was a really neat balance of, uh, seriousness, but like you said, it was also funny. Like it, it, it took itself right. just the right amount of serious. So my number one. Kind of goes into your number two with star wars my number one right now is the mandalorian uh i we've seen yes. both episodes they're awesome uh i like i'm just super impressed by it it's so much better than it needed to be like uh the first live action star wars tv show yes it didn't have to be good you know it could have just been anything and it was and that's gonna be a hit like the fact that they're modeling it on old Westerns, which is cool for a couple different reasons. I like, I just, I like, I like the idea of them doing that, but the fact that star Wars itself was mod was modeled on Westerns in the first place. And it's like bringing it all the way back. And then with what they're doing in the plot, kind of going almost like, uh, like lone wolf and cub style samurai type stuff uh it's really great that second episode i thought was incredibly done with like the first like 10 Mm -hmm. minutes was basically dialogue free and it didn't feel that way i'm just like i said i'm just super impressed by it you can tell that they are throwing tons of money at it which is why it's shocking that they aren't 50 minute episodes like the the pilot was 38 and the first and the second was 31 and while there's part of me that's like i'd like it to be longer i actually really appreciate that they are being so judicious with the edit because like we were just talking about the prequels they're too fucking long like they're two and a half hours every shot and that's just like what are we doing whereas like this is succinct getting it across and it's just i think incredibly well done and I like the fact that we're exploring these different corners of the, of the galaxy right. and we're in it. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's, they it's are bananas. Uh, very economical
0: with this show, not necessarily in terms of budget, but in terms of time, you know, they are driving the plot in 30 minute episodes, which I think is great. Um, you know, you get just enough that you want more. And that's another one of the things that, Disney Plus has done differently than some of the other services is you are getting one episode a week versus when a Netflix series drops and you get all 12 episodes or 20 episodes at once and so you can binge it. Uh, Disney Plus has decided to string us along a little bit but with 30 minute episodes you want the next one right now. And so yeah, I think it helps pique your excitement to continue the series because they've been so economic with their time.
1: Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is a show where like, I'm glad that it's being strung out a little bit, like, because I would have absolutely watched all eight in one day and then been like, Oh, you super bet you were bummed that there's nothing more. Right. Whereas this is just a little bit like, a slow burn and you get to think a little bit about where it's going to go and that's that's a lot of fun so i mean those are our top fives for disney plus and obviously we didn't come close to even scratching the surface like one of my one of the things i really like about the service is if you go into the search module they're the different um search uh categories they have have you looked at that no like uh There's one that's through the decades and they just have everything that's on the service by decade. Hmm. Um, and there's just, and there's different categories like that. It's just a really smart way. If they were going to, the only thing I would say that I really think they need to improve on with that app is they need to bring up like a, what I'm watching, what you were just watching tab. Like, right. Yeah. There's no,
0: there's no active
1: playlist yet. Yeah. And that is some garbage (laughs) like having to search for what you're doing every time especially when you're watching like a series like a movie like who cares but like you're watching x-men what the hell i don't you know
0: i have to make a mental note of what episode Mm -hmm. i finished on in order to pick back up the next time um so yeah they'll get there obviously they have the money and the resources to to make it slick and they will continue to do so But it's a great app, you know, like Brett said at the beginning of the episode, we kind of hate being corporate shills for one of the biggest corporations in the world. Uh, But there is so much content and so much magic wrapped up in this and so much excitement right now, uh, worldwide, you know, all of our friends are, are talking about what they're watching on Disney Plus and your friends are too. So we felt like we needed to at least put an episode together and talk about what we're most excited about right now and obviously that'll change over time but um you know this, this gives us and you guys a list to start from if you're interested in diving a little bit deeper into the disney plus app yep
1: as always if you like it let us know if not we don't need to hear that uh negativity and you can subscribe to us now it's a thing. It's a yeah. thing. Yeah, we're legit. Uh, we're basically anywhere you find your podcast. So uh for that guy over there, this is Brett, and we'll talk to you later. All right, take care, guys.